I think that the beautiful thing about the market situation is that you can't fake it. You, you just can't fake it. You know, there's, it doesn't matter how much money you have, you cannot fake those type of experiences. And those experiences are, are based on, on, on authentic and unique um, experiences that has been cultivated within a certain amount of time. You're listening to One More Question, a podcast by the people of Nice Work. One of the things we often catch ourselves saying is, can we just ask you one more question? And that's the antithesis of what this podcast is. It's about sharing the best conversations we've had with significant creators, experts, and communicators. The people that we've encountered as we go about our work of making people care by creating purposeful brands. This season is focused around unpacking the topic of purpose, exploring what purpose means in its many forms, and we share how people are using purpose to build great companies and successful brands. I'm your host, Ross Drex. Today on the podcast, I talk to Adama Sané, the co-founder and CEO of the Moleskin Foundation. The foundation focuses on developing unconventional education programs with a focus on Africa. They create tools and experiences that foster critical thinking, creative doing, and lifelong learning for youth and underserved communities. We unpack what is the foundation, how it came about through an aligned purpose with the Moleskin brand, and that the founders believe in the idea that creativity can create social change. We talk about how the brand trusts in the work of the foundation and how this trust has led to a mutually beneficial relationship. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Adama. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you very much. It's great to be here. Um, yeah, I guess, so So my first question is, you know, I think you, in our prequel, you put it beautifully, like, can you can you just give me the, the, the elevator pitch of, of what the Moleskine Foundation is and why do you think it's important? Sure. So we created the Moleskine Foundation a little bit more than three years ago. And uh, our idea was to explore the space of creativity for social change how creativity can become a tool to uh, create social transformation. And um, uh, with this idea, uh, we started a, uh, an organization that basically focuses on uh, uh, bringing high-quality educational experiences uh, to underserved communities. And uh, those high-quality educational experiences are all based on creativity. Uh, as a, a transformational uh, tool. So uh, what we do, we create um, uh, programs, uh, experiences, projects that basically leverage this idea of creativity for social change. And we try to bring to um, communities around the world uh, that uh, uh, normally do not have access to these type of, uh, to these type of tools. And... Um, the idea behind is that creativity now is uh, it's an incredible force um, uh, in, within society. It's an incredible force within human beings that so far it hasn't been used systematically as, uh, as it could have been. Uh, creativity is still often considered as something that only creative people uh, have, you know, just somebody who has an artistic, uh, uh, you know, uh, inclination. While for us, creativity is for and foremost a skill. 
that the skill it has to be nurtured um, and um, and as a skill you know as this creativity skill the idea is that then we can nurture other type of skills like critical thinking creative doing lifelong learning empathy etc uh, and these are at the base of what for us is um, the you know uh, this is those skills are at the base of a conscious citizen um, of the future and actually of the present. I really like the idea of creativity for social change. Um, you know, we run a thing called Creative Mornings here in Johannesburg. It's around the world, and I think the opening statements of Creative Mornings is that everyone is creative. And I fully agree. I think it's it's a human skill that we all have, and and some of us invest in it. Uh, you know, throughout our entire lives and careers and other people label themselves as I'm not creative and they just shut that, they shut that whole part of their kind of brain down. But I think an accountant who's looking at a spreadsheet and seeing the patterns of a business is just as creative as, as an artist who is uh, creating a piece of work that inspires them. Absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, you know, creativity in the end is about, um, be able to create new and useful ideas. Uh, you know, that's, that's pretty much what it is. For us, anybody is creative. I mean, anybody can be creative, but anybody who uses his or her own personal experiences, sensitivity in a transformative way, then it becomes creative. Uh, so it's, uh, it's something that really is between an attitude and a, as a skill. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's important to really have this in mind. And I think it's important that more and more institutions and organizations try to develop, uh, um, you know, methodologies and experiences that are able to, to harness this, uh, this unique human feature. Can I ask, I mean, it, it's so crisp and clear, this creativity for social change. Like, did you, was the organization born with that clarity? Is there something that you, you developed over time? Can you, can you give us a sort of origin story of that, that statement? I think it was crystal clear from the beginning in terms of a vision. We had that, um, and it was kind of like, you know, those moments in which... Uh, they, they, they strike you and they're like, okay, it's creativity for social change. Now, we still try to figure out what that means. <laughs> you know, in its food. <laughs> so uh, so we, we had that intuition and now we are actually uh, exploring what, what that actually is. And the beautiful thing is that um, it's, it's a process, you know, and, 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 and the process creates value by itself. And the creative process, you know, it's, it's one of those. You know, it's not necessarily only about the final goal, the end result, but it's about, you know, the, the type of uh, um, um, the energies that you're able to, uh, to create in, in the journey. What I was saying is that, to be fully honest, you know, our journey started um, quite, quite a while ago. Uh, because as a Moleskin Foundation, I have um, the 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 the, the, pre the 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 you know the pleasure and the privilege to to have as some of the co-founders of the foundation, some of the co-founders of the original Moleskin company and a Moleskin brand. And and when, for example, my 
current president, Maria Sebregondi, who is an extraordinary woman, uh, created the concept of Moleskine brand um, in the beginning, uh, she already had that sort of intuition. She already had this idea of uh, using creativity, uh, you know, as... Um, as a tool to enhance human capacity. Now, at the time, she went, they went through an idea of creating a company through, um, uh, that basically produced tools, uh, creative tools for, uh, for people. But already at the time, there was this type of intuition that creativity uh, could have been much more uh, that, than only creating tools uh, for personal journey. Um, and so that intuition started more than 20 years ago. Now, uh, the, the foundation itself, it's, um, you know, it's somehow a product of this process, you know, that started a long time ago. And now we took this shape of, a, of, a, of an institution to really push this forward and really think about creativity as a tool to build our collective future. So I mean, I, I like I like how those two sort of feed off each other. So moleskin is the the physical tool that enables creativity, or that that helps people to sort of be creative. Uh, and and I suppose that product has expanded into books and pens and apps and and all sorts of things. And the the foundation is ex exploring that same concept, but on a more almost like philosophical philosophical level that's executed in a very practical way absolutely exactly like this and now how have you how have you used that idea of creativity for social change how does it how does it guide the projects you take on and and the work that you do and obviously selecting it i'm sure you have many many proposals landing on your desk how do you choose the ones that you invest in so we uh, as a Moleskin Foundation, we're not necessarily like a, a donor organization. So what we do, um, we uh, we are the initiator of some or most of our programs. Um, but within our methodology, the first things that we do, we 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 do everything with with partners. Uh, and so we had the chance to to build in in few years. Um, quite a unique network uh, of cultural organization and cultural partners around the world. And with them, um, we basically are able to, to, to create um, some of, uh, um, uh, you know, some of the programs that now we are, we are championing. Um, just to tell you a couple, you know, one is called At Work, where the idea is to inspire a new generation of creative thinkers uh, that we created um, quite a number of years ago with uh, one of the, I think, most interesting intellectuals from the African continent and beyond named Simon Jami, that is one of the fathers of contemporary African art, a philosopher, a writer, and, and above all, a unique educator. Um, and, uh, or the program Wiki Africa Education, where uh, in that case, we, we leverage uh, technology uh, to to foster creativity uh, in a completely different way. So all of this, you know, starts from a dialogue. Starts from dialogue with partners. Starts with, with dialogue with advisors. And out of them, the unique positioning of the Moleskine Foundation is to initiate uh, with with seed funding, with the, with original ideas, uh, with unconventional initiatives. You know, to you know programs. Then then hopefully can get picked up uh, by other partners and donors to make them uh, scale. 
Um, I love that. Can can you share just a little bit of that that Wiki Africa? I really enjoy that project. Like, can you just tell us a little bit about how you've how that project ran? Especially, you know, I suppose you you sitting in Milan and Italy was one of the the, the first kind of areas in the world to sort of get locked down during COVID. So how did that project play out? Uh, can you just explain a little bit about it? Because I, I I really enjoy that. Yes, I mean, I, I think. Uh, the, the, the latest campaign of Wiki Africa Education, it was really one of the good products, uh, products of uh, um, isolation, contemplation, <laughs> you know, and having time to think about stuff. Um, so, so Wiki Africa is, a, is, a, is an initiative that we started quite a number of years ago um, that starts from, from an idea. Um, and, and we go back again to creativity because we can argue that creativity is a function of knowledge. Without knowledge, there's no creativity. Uh, and, and so it, it's, it's important to create uh, initiatives that are able to establish a basic level of knowledge that young people can have access to in order to really build their own creativity and build their own world. And um, when we had the, uh, the idea that was original intuition about Wiki Africa Education, we look at uh, this, this kind of lack of knowledge about the African continent. And when we started, we had this kind of very naive, high-level idea, you know, of, uh, of where is knowledge about the continent. I'm, I'm, I'm half Italian, you know, half Senegalese, so I, I, I you know, I experienced this firsthand. And, um, and among the various ways and avenues that we could look at, we look at the uh, at Wikipedia. You know, Wikipedia now is in the top 10 to top six uh, most used website in the world. Uh, is this free encyclopedia where everybody can contribute to. Uh, that is actually quite amazing. Uh, but if we look at that Wikipedia now, there are more information about the city of Paris than about the entire African continent. You know? and, and so when you, when you look at something like that, you, you just realize that sometimes uh, um, an open source technological tool tend to recreate the power structure of the world. So it is important that when you had the chance as an organization, you try to, 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 um, to build programs that are able to kind of uh, try to rebalance those, those gaps, those, those imbalances. Um, and when we look at African languages, the situation is even is even worse, to be honest. Um, so, so with Wiki Africa, I want to create, we want to increase the quantity and quality of knowledge about the African continent online on Wikipedia, and basically we want to do it by transform young Africans, uh, uh, students from the continent and from the diaspora, from passive knowledge consumer to active knowledge producers. And, uh, and that activity, you know, that idea of starting writing uh, about your own environment, your own history, whatever is your own passion, especially in your own language, can have really a unique impact at various levels. First of all, you as an individual that you get exposed to um, certain experience, cultural experience, and then you get engaged into um, writing about it. So you take responsibility of it. You become an active player in the global world. But then the result of that 
it's out there for, for a larger community. So we want to try to create this movement. And we've been trying to do it uh, since quite a few years. And, uh, and so when the, when the COVID-19, when the COVID pandemic um, kind of blew up, um, we, we realized that uh, there was a huge gap of information in, in many African countries around, around basic information about the pandemic. Uh, so, so what we did, we basically created a campaign that is called The Solution Will Not Be Televised, where um, we invite uh, African people for, and from the diaspora, African language speakers, to translate uh, uh, basic information about COVID-19 um, on, uh, uh, from, from English or from French or Portuguese to African, uh, African languages. And then we try to upload together with the Wikipedia community, we try to upload it on Wiki. So that once they are on Wiki, uh, everybody virtually with a phone can have access to it just by Googling it. Um, and this is quite important because when you have access uh, to, this, uh, to this information in your own language, then what happens is that this is speaks to you, you know, as a as an individual, you know, it, it directly it directly speaks to you. It's not filtered by a language that is not necessarily yours fully. Um, so, so that's pretty much what we did. We launched a campaign. Um, it was quite an incredible response. Um, uh, we have now around 500 young people from uh, all over the world uh, on the continent diaspora covering uh, more than 70 African languages that are translated those entries um, in, uh, in, uh, in, in their own language and so that people can have uh, access it. And the beautiful thing is that, again, the process is so important because when we started this process, um, there were a lot of things that we didn't know that could have happened. They were so beautiful. For example, a young man named Perry from South Africa, a uh, Zulu speaker, um, he was one of the most active translators. And the beautiful thing is that he did the draft, but then he spoke with his mother, with his grandmother, to, to then check you know, whether, whether it was translated, whether the translation was proper, whether it was, whether it was proper Zulu. And then so suddenly you create this intergenerational languages and Perry was telling us how the mother was so happy to kind of retake her own language in a written way and sharing this with uh, with his son. And Perry kind of felt both empowered, but also that pride, you know, in uh, in uh, in writing in uh, in his own in his own language. And then again, putting it out there so then so that a large community can have access to. So now this is this is uh, this is something that. Um, that we're working on now. Um, so far, in, uh, um, in in few weeks, basically, what we did, we managed through the community to upload. Uh, uh, now we are around a uh, hundred hundred new entries uh, in uh, I think more than 15, 15 languages, and others are coming up uh, more and more. And this kind of is beautiful because this virtually cover information for more than 300 million people that before were completely before were completely neglected somehow uh, in terms of the global discourse in tools that everybody used so it's a 
again, it's a beautiful mechanism. And then the idea, because the movement, we will try to figure out how these things will, will play out. I mean, I love this. There's so much in there that I enjoy. I think the, the first thing for me is that it's, it, it creates quite an active engagement. Um, but I, I think in order for that active engagement to really take off, it's, it's rooted in that quite genuine place that you're coming from. Um, so it's not a, a big company or whatever trying to sort of leverage something or do something. It's just this open conversation, which in a sense encourages people to be active. And by them being active, you almost create that movement. And I think in that movement, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens in 18 months time, how many of those people who started translating for this project continue to do so for other things just because they've they've had that experience and they've they've enjoyed it and now does that start to like you say shift that that conversation so you've actually sort of brought more people in and more more voices into that conversation and i think that's such a powerful a powerful thing yes and 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 just to just to specify one thing, now we're looking at translation because it was kind of an emergency uh, project, you know, to, to really try to be relevant with, uh, with the current times. But, but, our, but the, the ultimate goal of, of WeCareFic Education is to build original knowledge, obviously, you know, and, and, to, and to basically start create language and, and history and, uh, you know, that, that, that now is, is simply non, not existent. Um, in uh, in mainstream tools like like wiki uh, and again and this is for us is the basis is kind of propedeutic to then um, again in our vision in our vision to kind of uh, foster a new generation of creative thinkers I love that I mean uh, I, and I'd be interesting to see where where that goes like I, I, I wonder what Perry's next project on Wikipedia will be because I think that's the the beauty of creativity is as soon as you you teach someone that something's possible, then then they filter through their own brain and they go, well, I know I was doing the COVID stuff, but maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do that with it. And you're going to start seeing how this thing sort of evolves as people kind of play with it uh, uh, and, and take ownership and stewardship of it. Can I ask you a question? So, so the Moleskine Foundation is – is set up by by Moleskine, the the brand, or Moleskine, the company that sells sells notebooks. So I suppose that's your most famous product. Like, I think I can obviously see the the benefits, you know, for the foundation. You know, obviously getting getting funding and things like that. But what do you think has been the benefit to Moleskine, the brand, or Moleskine, the company, because of this this entity that it's created and unleashed on the world? I'm quite, this is the part which I'm quite proud of uh, because the model that we created um, with the Moleskin Foundation, the Moleskin Company, I think is quite unique in the world. Um, I need to make like a, a, a super, uh, you know, uh, short correction, but I think it's important because it speaks about the uniqueness of, of the model. The, the Moleskin Foundation was not created directly by the company. So the Moleskin Foundation was co-founded uh, by a group of people uh, that believed that you know creativity could be a force for good and a force for change. 
Then we created a foundation, and it was connected to a previously existing foundation named Letra 27, Letter 27. But, but the point is that it's a, it's a group of people uh, that, that believe in something that created the foundation. Out of that, we created a partnership, uh, a structural partnership agreement with the Moleskin company and the Moleskin brand. And uh, because of our long collaboration, because of our long history together, because we share some of the co-founder of the company, you know, and the foundation, um, and because of also the great vision that the brand had, uh, we created a model where the Moleskine Foundation is 100% independent from the Moleskine company, to the point that nobody that is associated to the Moleskine company can sit at a general council that is the highest organ of the Moleskine Foundation. And that is quite unique for a brand that trusts so much another organization somehow to release the name, you know, um, and work so much in, in, in this kind of like almost symbiotic, you know, relationship, but with this clear, you know, level of independence. And this is start the uniqueness um, of, of the brand. And I think that the brand understood, the company understood, and not only the company and the, and the property of the company, they understood that authenticity was supposed to be at the center of any type of engagement connected to CSI from, from a company perspective. Um, there couldn't be no room for marketing, no room for greenwashing. The, the room for that, it should have happened in an authentic way, as a, as a share value initiative, not in any other ways. And so that's kind of what stays at the center of the, of the model. And uh, um, what, what, what basically we built is, is, is a structure where now the company support with uh, uh, a percentage of the, of the EBITDA, the foundation, and the foundation use this money to take care of our overhead costs. That allow us to go out there in the market as a foundation and be incentivized to create partnerships with, uh, uh, with other institutions, with our organization, and also with other donors with the uniqueness that 100% of the money that we fundraise or other partners put on the programs goes to the program itself, all in direct cost. And that kind of basically with this model, we completely minimize, we basically take out the public cost that normally um, nonprofit have, you know, within, within society. So that's kind of the uniqueness of, um, of the model. So that I absolutely have to go to, to, your, to your question. And, and so far, I think the, the company did have a good return. I think a great return because we live, I think, in a, in a DNA, you know, in, a, in, a, in an age where the consumer is becoming more and more interested in, um, in the values behind any type of brand. When we look at millennials and we look at Generation Z, uh, there is this, uh, um, this, this absolute interest in really understand, really seeing that my personal values are reflected in the values of the brands that I buy. 
and uh, and uh, and Moleskine as one of the only uh, cultural brand, you know, regional cultural brands that are out there, you know, is is in a unique position to try to create this this connection, and um, and so uh, we knew that the only way to do it properly, the only way to do it to create an advantage, also I would say a competitive advantage from, from a company perspective, from a brand perspective, was to create an authentic, a unique partnership, an authentic, a unique interest in, in fostering social change. And that was done by creating and by partnering with the Moleskine Foundation. I mean, I love that. So I think uh, it's it's testament to how strong the purpose of of Moleskine, the company and Moleskine, the foundation are aligned that they 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 trust i think that was the word you used that they trust the foundation enough to to literally in the way it's set up decouple themselves from it so they can't change you know like they can't meddle in what you're doing or or anything like that but i think it's 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 very interesting, and I think one of the gifts that we're going to see out of COVID is, I think globally people have had a a rethink on on how they consume, how they engage, where they spend their money, where they spend their time. I think it's been probably the largest sort of reset button that that we've had, uh, you know, in the last two generations. And I think just like you say. I think people are looking for they're looking for something more out of companies. They're looking for companies to to sort of step up and do something a little bit bigger than what they what you know the product that they're selling or the service that they're doing. And I feel like this is is definitely a blueprint for other organizations who can look at something like that and say, well, this is a way, this is one of the ways, and I'm sure there's many, that you can you can have a deeper relationship and a bigger impact, um, you, you know, and still be a commercial, you know, an enterprise that's looking for profit and return and all of those things that companies need to survive. Absolutely. And, and especially when you look at a company, I think the, the the example of the Moleskine Company and the Moleskine Foundation is quite uh, valuable because Moleskine is not a huge corporation, you know. It's not, you know, it's it's a relative, you know, it's a medium sized uh, corporation, you know. So so it's not something that can, you know, pour millions and millions of dollars, or we can live off of, uh, you know, interest uh, of of an endowment or an investment or anything like that. You know, this is, you know, this is really not our case. We, as a foundation, we tend to operate almost as a, I would call it um, as, a, as, a, as a social enterprise in a way. You know, we need to, we need to think and work within market standards um, in order to, to really achieve our goal, in order to achieve our sustainability, in order to attract enough resources to, to create impact. And and all those incentives, uh, you know, are created by you know the setup um, of uh, of the two of the two institutions. Then, obviously, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I wouldn't mind if at some point we have like a multi-million dollars endowment, <laughs> and I don't have to do fundraising anymore. I mean, I wouldn't complain, right? <laughs> but uh, 
but but I also have to say that um, that that I think this setup, this unique setup, uh, can be an interesting uh, blueprint or or, illustri- or an interesting starting point for other organizations, and maybe are not huge. Uh, but they have like a very strong brand that can allow to give a new platform, a new energy to important social causes. Uh, and, uh, and so that uh, the impact that an organization can do is not only related to the amount of cash that's put on a table, but is related to the entire ecosystem that the company somehow is, is able to to influence and or have access to. I love that. And I think it's, you know, it's testament. You say that Moleskin is not this big company, but in 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 reality, its brand is is so large. It's it's built such a strong brand. And that, like you say, is an asset. And and one of the ways they're using that asset is by by allowing it a, a foundation to use that asset and, and push it forward. And I think very interestingly is it also is is giving them uh, more brand value back. Like so, it's it's an investment. They they let it free, and they're actually getting some back. I mean, you shared with me the the exhibition that you did at the the Tate Modern. Um, you know, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think if a brand, even a, a well moneyed brand like a Nike, were to go to the Tate Modern and say we want to have an exhibition inside here, they're probably going to say. Uh, no, thank you. We've got more than enough exhibitions lined up. Can you talk about about the process of getting into the Tate Modern? Sure. Uh, we 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 got into the, the Tate Modern to you know one of our program is called At Work that is a um, a kind of unique educational experience that lasts a week long and uh, basically bring. Uh, unique minds um, from the cultural space, uh, in a, and, and they start a dialogue, a very uh, personal and in-depth dialogue with uh, young people and students uh, from uh, connected to a local organization. Um, and uh, so at work uh, is pretty much that. And one of our partners uh, for last year at work tour was the Tate Modern, and um, and is every other partner that we have. Where we had, um, we organized basically a five days workshop. Then there is a there is a physical exhibition because in this workshop, basically the students uh, they start a personal uh, process. You know, there's basically a creative process to foster critical thinking and metacognition skills. Metacognition skills is a terrible term, but anyway, it's basically critical thinking. And uh, um, and and in this process, then they have to basically create an artistic notebook, quote unquote. They basically these ideas and this uh, process of introspection get materialized in an object that is a notebook, and then this becomes part of the exhibition that they organize. And uh, and we did it with a Tate Modern that you know that have very amazing, you know, educational programs. And it, but it also happened to be one of the most important museums in the world. And, uh, and so for a foundation perspective, we got in fully from an educational idea. So we wanted to get the right students. We wanted to get the right people that normally don't have access to these type of experiences. We wanted to have like an authentic partnership with the educational department of the Tate Modern so that we can, you know, learn from each other and create this unique experience for these young people. But then 
the, the end result was that there was an exhibition inside the Tate Modern based on Moleskine notebooks. And obviously, this cannot be recreated in any other way. And, uh, and, and exactly because there were no commercial motive <laughs> from, uh, uh, from, from our side, you know, from a foundation side and from a Tate side, then that could have happened in a natural way without being looked in a, in a strange way and without creating, you know, weird dynamics. And, and this also, I think, is important that it was possible because of the, of the work that the foundation has been doing in the past, you know, in the, in the past years. You know, so we had the chance to, to again, to work with, with unique intellectuals that, uh, that, that put also their, um, their, 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 their brand, their, their, um, um, their reputation, of course, on the line with us. Um, it is something that we've been doing for now many years, partnering with organizations all over the world, from the African Center in New York to the National Museum of Chad to, you know, the National Museum of Gabon uh, or to your uh, very South Africa-owned Constitution Hill. Um, and we've been doing it for many, many years. So once we get to the Tate Modern in this way, then everything is real, is authentic, and it doesn't create weird commercial brand dynamic, then, then it, would, it would be counterproductive, even from a commercial standpoint. So, so the, I think that the beautiful thing about the market situation um, is that you can't fake it. You, you just can't fake it. You know, there's, it doesn't matter how much money you have, you cannot fake those type of experiences. And those experiences are, are based on, on, on authentic and unique um, experiences that has been cultivated within a certain amount of time. But I mean, I think it's very interesting that, that it's, like you say, if this had been a marketing endeavor, if this was an activation or a pop-up, it wouldn't have had nearly as much credence or authenticity and i think people are so like we, we always say that their, their bullshit meters are so finely tuned nowadays that if you if you smell it you know it's there like and and i think what you you've got here like i said it's, it's that blueprint that that you've you've been given the freedom to do the work that you do um and and ultimately, that work reinforces part of what the Moleskine brand stands for. You know, like it's saying that these things are like journals, which is, you know, the, the idea of a journal. It's where you put your, your private thoughts, your most sacred thoughts, your most creative ideas, you know. And, and this has just allowed you to explore that in an authentic way. And anybody that went to that exhibition can not help but leave with a positive experience of the Moleskine brand. And they didn't, they didn't do it going in there going, okay, I'm going to a Moleskine, like a Moleskine pop-up store. You, you don't leave that. You go there in a different mindset. And I think that's, that's the power. And I think it's because you're tapping into that, that collaboration and that authenticity. And, and, and I think people genuinely respond to that. 
And, and, and just to say one last take on this is that it's important to realize that this is an ongoing process. This idea of sheer value, it's an ongoing process. Our main, um, you know, we need to keep refreshing our partnership with with the company itself and it's a and it's a try and error process you know every day we say oh should we do that should we not do it uh, does it uh, does it make sense are we really respecting our both you know both of our bottom lines um you know like it, it it's 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 really a, a a trial and error it's it's really a way of working um and and i think this is important because it is not an easy fix. You need to create the condition within which then you start your journey and you start, you know, you start making mistakes, you start learning from your mistakes, you know, but at the same time, you have a setup that allow you uh, to basically build those, those experiences and hopefully, you know, more and more you, you, you can get better at, at what you do as, as in everything else. I mean, I love that. I think, you know, what she's saying there is that this is a commitment. And we always tell our clients that if you are, are becoming, if you have the intention of being a purpose-driven organization, it, it's a commitment. It's not a, it's not a marketing campaign that you spend money on in Q3 and then launch, uh, you know, and then you move on to something else in Q4. Like this is, this is something that you're setting in motion and, and you're going to have to, like every relationship, every com- like everything, it's going to have a life of its own. It's going to have ups and downs. But ultimately, like I think you are showing that the, the, the long-term gain is outweighing the 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 costs or the the time and the investment and the commitment that you need to put in. I think ultimately the the, the benefit is is larger. Absolutely, absolutely, and 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 it's really that commitment is that intention, and then I think the last ingredient of all this that is really about people, even more than anything else. You know, it's it's an investment on on the people that are able both within your organization and outside your organization that are able to, to create new language. They are able to create new processes and are able to, to create new experiences. And um, because it, it is something that has never been done before in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a certain way. So, so it's the beauty and also the complexity of, of doing something for the first time and make it and transform it from a few uh, very cool uh, episodes and moment into your own story. Uh, and, and that's, you know, and that's as difficult and as exciting <laughs> that could be. I love that. And, and um, cognizant of time. So, so I think as, as a closing question to you, like apart from, I mean, you mentioned if someone has hundreds of millions of dollars and they want to give them to you, that's your, your first prize. But uh, what's like if people are interested and they want to take a step, they want to get involved, they want to kind of uh, engage, what, do you, what would you say the best thing for people to do is? Well, uh, I would say a couple of things. The, the first thing is that our, uh, the solution will not be televised campaign is still up. So if you if you speak an African language, please do register on our website. Please do contribute to translate comedy related pages in your own language, uh, and uh, and we will try to again 
and to to create this movement that can build new knowledge and more, you know, on, on, on Wikipedia, especially in this moment of emergency. Um, and uh, if you are a cultural organization and or a corporation and a brand, uh, please, you know, check out our our programs, both Wiki Africa and Atwork, and really try to to see whether you want to start collaborating and and bringing those unique experiences in your own in your own communities and then we can start we can start a dialogue because everything starts from a conversation awesome madonna thank you so much that was a great conversation and um uh, i think there's a lot a lot to be taken out of it um you know it's very interesting we've been at nice we've been looking for some way to put all of our kind of our give back, our energy that we want to spend. And I think this definitely gives us a direction to do so. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast and we'll catch you in the next one. Thank you so much, Russ. It's been a pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. In the words of Carlos Corbian, sharing knowledge is an obligation. So if you know someone who would benefit from this podcast, please send it on to them. This is our second season, and we'd be super grateful if you'd hit that subscribe button. And if you think we're worth it, give us a review. We welcome feedback, good or bad. We release an episode every two weeks. One more question is brought to you by the people at NiceWork, a purpose-led branding company in Johannesburg, South Africa. If you'd like to further this conversation, reach out at www.nicework.co.za. And if you're a little bit old school, let us know and we'll make you a mixtape.